0: what's up everyone welcome back to another episode of final thoughts Creator with Kelly. now today we have a special guest she is a learning and development strategist but most importantly an advocate against abuse we're speaking with lady cassandra who has been married for a number of years our topic for today is become self-aware or self-destruct cassandra how are you doing today
1: Uh, Hi, Khalida. I'm good. Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Awesome. Thanks for being here. It's certainly a pleasure. Now, on this topic, speaking about being self-aware or self-destruct, according to renowned psychologist and author Daniel Coleman, he describes in his book, Emotional Intelligence, that self-awareness is knowing one's internal state, preference, resources and intuitions. Self-awareness is comprised of five key components. That is identifying the emotions, accurate self-perception, recognizing strength, possessing strong self-confidence, possessing self-efficacy, which is a person's belief in his or her ability to succeed in a particular situation. Recalling a recent podcast interview with Tim Ferriss, who is an acclaimed author and researcher, Brene Brown, who made a fascinating claim that the reason there's so much hate and unhappiness in the world is because people lack self awareness no mm-hmm. so- recalling my last interview on the topic of singleness a question was posed as why is it important to deal with me first and it was concluded that we must know our identity for us as ladies what we're waiting for and for the men what we're looking for take me back to that stage before marriage who was cassandra tell me about any traumas you had in your life and how that impacted you
1: i was somebody who i got married very early and before i got married i was in that relationship for five years Okay. So I I was, uh, I got married at 25. I was with this person. Right. So I met the person at the end of my 20th year. And I was somebody who was very low in self-esteem. And a lot of people who knew me would not even think that about me at all because I was very good at faking it. I was very, very good at, you know, speaking eloquently and speaking confidently, being, you know, seeming assertive. But... Underneath all of that, I was plagued with a lot of self-doubt. I didn't have any confidence in, you know, I felt inadequate as a person. And why is that? Well, it came from my upbringing, I guess. I I was a member of a very dysfunctional household. My father and my mother had a a very toxic relationship and that spilled over to us as kids. My father was somebody who was physically abusive. He was emotionally abusive, verbally abusive. And so for, for as long as I can remember, I was told things about myself that I believed. So I was told things like, you know, you're never ever going to be good to do anything but wash people's dirty clothes. I was told that I am worthless. Men would take me and turn me into a football, meaning I would be beaten. Right. I was told the umbilical cord should have hung me when I was coming out of my mother. And and I'm just, I'm saying wow. this these are things words that were spoken to me for years of my life. So right. I believe them. Yeah, I was saying even, even when I, I, I my natural abilities would come through, I'm, I'm naturally a good speaker. I'm somebody who I'm, I'm naturally congenial, meaning I, I get along well with people. I, I'm a good communicator. Right. So that was a natural ability. So it was very easy for me to communicate. And when I communicated, people would say, oh, she's so intelligent. She's so full of potential. And I would get a lot of jobs right. <laughs> using that skill. But... Right. We go through a period of what we call a probationary period when you when you get a job. Right. And So after that probation probationary period would come to an end, I would then start to hear those voices in my head saying, "Oh, you're not good enough. You're not they're going to." From and death. yes, and that they're gonna know you're not good enough. They're not gonna think you're a fraud. They're gonna see that you this potential they see is nothing. And so I would then self sabotage. Mm-hmm. I would I would do things to either cause myself to get fired or would I would quit the job before it got to, it got to that stage
0: before they actually found out who right. you were wow that's an imposter syndrome that that level of wordiness because right. that was inputting you to say that you're not good enough not you, good you enough. actually believe that right. so right. let me ask you knowing all of that and the background why did you get married you've seen so much abuse in <laughs> your home what was your mindset
1: such a funny question I'm very good good question I got married because my father told me nobody would ever want me so okay. when somebody wrong. when somebody showed me that they wanted me
0: Ooh, I was like yeah.
1: okay, I was like okay I need to jump on this because maybe it won't come again but um this might be the the, the, the fluke. Wow. There were there were other things that came out of being told that too that were destructive self-destructive even in my younger years. Okay. I also had the belief coming from being told that nobody would want me. I had the belief that if I did not if I wasn't overtly sexual, meaning I wasn't a promiscuous person. But if right. I didn't if, if when I was in an in a relationship, if I did not um make myself available sexually, I felt right. like I felt like that person wouldn't stay.
0: Oh my goodness. So not getting that support at home and then that need to want to over-sexualize certain situations mm-hmm. got you in, in, in that that state to think that this is what you needed to do to keep right. this relationship. Yes. Wow. Take me back to even before you got married. Did you undergo some form of premarital counseling?
1: No, because as I said, I was young and premarital counseling wasn't something, unless you're in church, right? you don't really hear that much. Like people saying to you, Oh, you need to get counselling before you get married that wasn't a concept that I knew of. Right. Um and and, and just to make a point, right. we as a people are not taught how to date we're not taught how to try to find a spouse or you know look for or what to look for when when deciding right. if that person should be our partner we go with the flow usually right. so you meet somebody that person is attractive they're attracted right. to you you're attracted to them okay let's let's hang out let's let's date you start to date we, and then not just that but we date with a single-minded our tunnel vision so when we meet somebody and we like that person we exclude everybody else Wow. So we don't look to see whether or not the compatibility that is necessary for a marriage to work, the practical things right. that is necessary for any relationship to work, we don't look to see whether or not we are in alignment, you know, that person, whether the both of you are aligned in the same way. And we don't look to see if there's anybody else that we might be more aligned with so we,
0: could, that, could that be from a scarcity mindset to say oh my god we don't know if enough you know, men is available for us then well, your childhood um background saying nobody will ever want you so the first person that comes you almost want to hang on to them
1: you know the funny thing is i never thought of in, the, in those days i never looked at life from the perspective of oh men are scarce uh, that, that wasn't a, a, a thing that i thought for me it's just in my surrounding you know my peer group my, my community wherever and even within my own family right and and even on a broader scope just generally speaking from observation i realized that we don't teach people to date right dating does does not mean that you're you're sexually involved with somebody it doesn't have to be that right we don't teach our our, our our children to date what we do is is we tell people that it's not even tell them the, the acceptable way of doing things is you meet somebody the two of you click and you just latch on to that person
0: right and And I also think the fear of even pregnancy you know kind of steers appearing to say don't date because you might end up doing this or doing that and then this is the result probably come from a humble background and then you know the whole cycle of life comes back was that a
1: fear? it it wasn't a fear for me just because again I grew up in a very dysfunctional home a lot of the things that I should have you know that would have been said or done in a a typical home um, wasn't the case in mine right so, oh, I, I, I don't recall. Yeah, you would have your, your mother beating you because you're talking to some guy that it's just somebody you're talking to at the gate. Right. You would get shouted at, and oh, you don't. You know, don't, don't be interacting so much with with the, the opposite sex. But right. from, a, from an objective perspective, to sit down and have a conversation and say, listen, these are the pros and cons of being in certain situations. That wasn't a conversation that was had. So those were not thoughts that I really had. The only thought I can tell you that I had when it came to getting into that relationship was my father said, nobody's going to want me. Right. So this man wants me, let me go with it.
0: Wow, it's interesting. People are a function of their culture, background, Mm -hmm. parents' earliest influences, past Mm -hmm. experiences, their temperament, belief system. Take me to when you got married. How did you even maintain your individuality? Because I'm seeing so much of, oh, I I want to be this for this person. Who were you in the marriage? Not me. Oh my goodness. It wasn't
1: me. This is gonna be controversial when I say it, but a lot of my identity was caught up in three ways. I was either operating as a wife.
0: Right.
1: Operating as a mother.
0: Right.
1: Or operating as a Christian wife and mother. Okay. So those were the three components of who I was.
0: Where did that leave Cassandra as a person?
1: Lost. Like I I lost myself completely lost me completely Wow! like completely because and it it didn't feel at the time it didn't feel like i was lost while i was there it felt i'm naturally a nester i'm somebody who believes in family and marriage and um i love god so all of it was what i would have wanted it seemed from the outside looking in that it would have been the perfect combination of things right but If you're not careful, in when you're in a marriage, it can become so very easy to lose sight of what you need for you you, to remain authentic and true to you. you.
0: Right, right. So
1: I lost sight of that. It didn't help at all that I was coming into the, the situation as somebody who was broken. Right. And then having gotten into this situation, that brokenness was perpetuated because my marriage also was an an abusive situation.
0: Right, that brings me to my next question. When in your marriage was the first time you overlooked or you really looked at a situation to say that this was possibly abusive? And over time, why really did you decide to stay?
1: All right, so I think I need to make something clear. Before I got married five years into the relationship, my husband and I lived together two years before we got married. Okay. So there was a period of time that we were living together that we were not married. We didn't get married. We hadn't gotten married as yet. We weren't in church or nothing. We weren't married.
0: So same to that time, what, how was that in that period before you were married?
1: Before? You mean while we were living together? Right. Well, within six months of living together, I was punched in my eye.
0: And you still committed to, to, to marrying this person? And
1: I'll tell you why. Now, first of all, one of the things that people don't understand is that abuse is not, there's a psychology to abuse. Right. Abuse is not something that happens overnight and it doesn't just start with a punch in the eye. Wow. <laughs> there are little things that groom you for abuse. And these little things for me started before I even met my husband. I was, right. I grew up in an abusive family. Right. So I already came in accepting certain things. Right. Because I was already taught to accept certain things. Right. When I got into the relationship, because I did not know who I was as a person, even before I met him, I didn't know who I was. When I got there and these things, the only thing I knew about myself is what my, it was what I was taught
0: right.
1: growing up in that home. So when I came into that situation and, and the abuse started, in my mind, it was somehow something that I could have done better wow. it was wow. something it's me being inadequate it's, it's me not not being enough it's me it's me being whatever it is my father said I was
0: right so I and needed to fix it again.
1: yes wow. so I And and we have to, as I said, abuse is a a psychological thing. People don't understand that when you're a broken person, being broken creates an open door. Yes. And that open door that is created attracts a certain kind of spirit. Wow. Now, the, the man I married was an exact replica of the man i left in my home growing up wow i exchanged my father for my husband it was the same person wow literally and and i didn't even recognize that that was happening at all yes when somebody is told certain things when you're told certain things it it gives you the it's like there's this need inside of you to prove somehow that that thing is not true even though you right, believe it. Right. You, but there's also that side of you who wants to prove that somehow that's not who you are because you don't like it. You believe it, you right. don't like it. So you need to prove it. Now, how do you prove it? Person who, who made you believe those things, if you can't prove it to them, trust and believe that subconsciously you're going to attract somebody else who you think you might be able to prove it to. Wow. And that was the thing... It. For me, with my husband or my ex-husband, I felt yes. like I felt like I, I needed to, it's like every time he would say something that would also, he would almost say the same things that my father would say. Right. And every time he would say something that he remotely reminded me of what I was coming out of, it would put me in a place of regression. Like I, did, I didn't know what to do myself. I didn't know because I believed it. So right. I'm now condemning me, and blaming me. And for years, I would try to do things to try to correct this wrongness about me.
0: About yourself? Yeah. And were you seeking any help at that time? Or what was it like?
1: well in the marriage um I was seeking help you need to seek help you mean for this what was happening in the marriage or for me right. personally
0: it could be both but I, I'm thinking for the
1: marriage no oh yeah to to multiple people in church right there were many prayer groups that I had come in and pray there were other persons that I tried to get help from right and the home was very very volatile there was a and lot of the kids, of,
0: are seeing that.
1: The kids and <laughs> even to this day the kids still suffer from issues coming out of that situation
0: well so we're seeing that this is now moving
1: it's still perpetuating
0: still perpetuate mm-hmm. no let me ask uh, in terms of communication i know you y- you said sometimes your your husband at the time would have reminded you of your father in how we communicate mm-hmm. oh, how important is communication in a marriage and not using silence as a weapon or deliberately extending an argument because sometimes when there's an issue as, as women you just zone out
1: yes and i've always been and felt that that was not the way to go the problem though is that in order for communication to be effective, it has to be a two way process. Right. Now, effective communication is that the message that you sent must be received by the person you are sending it to in the way you intended. It. That is right. what effective communication is. So, if I want you to, to understand tree, however, I communicate that, you must understand tree. Right, and the two-way process now is if you don't understand, tree, you should now say something back to me to indicate that you don't understand, so I can go uh, maybe change the way I am communicating that to you. Okay. So th- th- You asked about the importance of effective communication in a marriage. Yes. First of all, people—if people would would look at. Their view their marriage from the perspective of, or view conflict in their marriage from the perspective right. of resolution instead of being right, right or rightness. So you are you have a problem. Yes. You 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 and I are married. We you have an issue with me. Right. You're you're communicating that issue with me shouldn't be to prove that you are right and I am wrong. Yes. It should be to get me to understand why this is a problem for you.
0: For you, right.
1: So that now I can now take steps to correct whatever it is that I'm doing. Right. now a lot of the times we are, we're we're going attack mode and we don't we, again we're not taught how to do these things we're not the, marriage is a very practical thing yes Mar- the, the emotions and the, the, the butterfly feeling that you're having a marriage statistics prove that that goes after three years after three years it level out
0: <laughs> it's probably even going before
1: three even before that <laughs> it level out you yeah, get over it Yes. No, so some marriage is not about a feeling. The feeling feelings ebb and flow. They come and they go. Today you like the person, tomorrow you wonder what the heck. Yes. So unless you can understand that this is now a very practical partnership yes. that you are in. And you have to know. Imagine your marriage is now an organization, a business, a company. And so, and the, yeah, you're always going to the board of directors, and you have to, you, do, do you have to come together to make decisions for the the furtherance of that marriage. The right. goals that you have for for that company must be the same. Both of you should be on the same page. And even when you don't agree, there must be some compromise or some concession to the betterment of that for the betterment of the company. If 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 you decide now that, you know, I'm an individual and or oh, your opinion doesn't matter. This, I believe, this is what should happen, and I'm gonna dismiss what you think.
0: You start operating as a soul trader. You're
1: now operating as a soul trader.
0: Interesting. You're putting you yourself
1: know, in a problem.
0: Yes, you would have mentioned that even before actually getting married, you ended up with a punch punch in the eye. Mm-hmm. How important is forgiveness and accepting
1: <sighs> sorry wholeheartedly? I'm I'm a big big advocate for for forgiveness, but I also I've learned that forgiveness does not necessarily mean there needs to be reconciliation right you can forgive somebody but doesn't mean that you and that person need to be reconciled and the reason for that is you don't need a sorry and and i'm I'm sorry to forgive you don't need that to forgive you shouldn't you shouldn't require it to forgive because that's not what the bible teaches however if you forgive somebody and the same thing that that person has done to you is repeated over and over again yes That's an abuse. That's 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 abuse. That's a complete abuse of situation and and I'm not saying don't forgive. I'm not saying don't forgive this the many times over many times it's done. What I'm saying is at some point you will now have to come to a decision. As to whether right. or not whether or not this is a situation that, that can be resolved or you know reconciled at all. Right.
0: Interesting. So
1: there are many people who are in abusive situations and especially from a church perspective, yes. are taught that, oh, forgive and you know, you know, work it out or whatever. When you have one party who is not on the same page as you, and that person is you're the one person who is being hurt in that situation to the point of, of your life being in detriment. Yes right then you have to make a decision so forgive of course forgive it's important to forgive but you have to know weigh in the balance whether or not your forgiveness means you need to stay in an abusive situation i'm not going to call it a mistake because i don't i don't regret my decision to stay in the sense that I you don't
0: regret your decision to stay
1: no and i'll tell you why okay the situation was a horrible horrible situation and I should have left. I'm not saying I shouldn't have left. I should have. And there are many re- repercussions coming out of my, my not leaving. However, it is in that situation that I came into a full understanding of who I am as a person. Yes. Yeah. It is in that situation that I learned the things that I'm learning, that I've learned that I'm able now to even say to you. It's in that situation that I've been able to, to use that platform to speak to other people, Um, you know, to kind of give them some some insight into how to navigate being in a situation like that yes so for me my personal motto is live to learn everything in life has a lesson there's a lesson in there to be learned right whether or not you choose to learn that lesson is a whole different story for me i take lessons from every experience that i have so i'm not i'm not one who lives in regret
0: Yes. It's interesting that you mentioned lessons. In that time frame, did you practice self-compassion? How did you speak to yourself when there was a mistake made or when something goes wrong?
1: Over time, I, I started to practice empathy with myself, but initially I didn't. I used to beat myself up a lot. And, and, and it wasn't it wasn't a perfect thing, even when I came to a place of empathy, because there were days when things would be so bad that I would tell myself that I would hear the voice again, those voices that I thought I'd silenced. So many years ago would still right. pop up that wow. that you know you are you're worthless. I remember distinctly one one I don't know it was a Sunday. I decided I was gonna come to church. I hadn't I hadn't been to church in a little while, yeah. and I was we were going through a really really rough time, which was often <laughs> yeah. And I I decided I was gonna go to church, and I was feeling so down. I got up the morning, and all I could hear was how worthless I am. You're a failure. You're 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 not enough. You're not a, you're not adequate. Your father was right. And I was so low in my spirits, when well, I say seeking in my spirit, and God gave me a revelation that day. Yes, I was driving, yes. and as I was coming out of my community, and I was saying all of these negative things to myself, and it came to me that God gave the Father in the family the right to lay hands and pass blessings down to the the children in the family right so the, the, the father was the one who would lay hands on the children and pronounce blessings on them now when you get married the tradition is that your father walks you down the aisle and hands you over to a man Right. Husband. And in doing so, symbolically, he is transferring that authority to that man. Right. Now, if my father has only spoken negative over negative. my life, spoken curses right. over me, that is all he transferred over to my husband. Right. So the revelation was it is one of two things. When when headship is transferred, because your father is your first, the first, the, the the head of the your home, your right. first home, and then your husband becomes the head of your marriage the, the matrimonial home. When headship is transferred, if a curse was spoken from your first home your husband has the authority to to break that curse wow he can right but in my situation unfortunately that was not what i got because my because my husband was not in a place to be able to do that for me
0: right no wow that's so much in the context of church because we speak about you speak about on your way to church getting that revelation Mm -hmm. you know that divorce is not an option that is readily accepted how did that make you feel since your marriage was not working and eventually didn't work you know after trying to fix it for so long
1: how did it make me feel in terms of what whether or not I I...
0: if if you were a failure did you take it on
1: yes yes I felt like that Um, and I went into a serious state of depression for a very long time I would say my marriage ended in 2010 and up to up to maybe 2014 2015 I was still struggling with thoughts of being a failure not just not just because the marriage itself failed but because of the, the also the backlash and the ripple effect it had on my children and their lives and right. I felt like in my mind I had tried to do things the way that you know I was taught from a Christian perspective yes yes I tried to do everything, the fasting and the praying and the supplication, everything I tried. And that failed. And so it left me in a place of doubt. Like, what do I do now? That never worked. Um, how How do I, where do I go? And that is when I realized again too, that I myself was lost. I didn't know who I was or right. where I fit anymore. I didn't right. know what my purpose was anymore. So for, for a very long time, I was flailing in the wind. I was, I So didn't you know. wrapped
0: your purpose in being married and a yes, mother.
1: Yes, yes. So it took a while for me to kind of, I came full circle eventually. Yes. But it took a while. It took a long while. And it reminded me so much of that scripture that says every man have to work out his own salvation with fear and trembling. Right. Because I had to let go of everything that I thought I knew from, but from a church perspective, right. And now had to kind of go to God from a different different everything. angle. I had yeah. to. I, as a matter of fact, I got to a point where because I, you know, I had stopped coming to church for a very long time. Yes. And my decision—it was a decision to stop coming to church. It was more everything that that transpired. I, I felt like I could not, I could no longer tell God I trusted Him. I felt like I, and I was always a very honest Christian. I was somebody who, I I was never, I wasn't perfect, but I was always honest. I always, I always worshiped with freedom and I was never, I wasn't trying to be hypocritical in any way. so. So at the time I was very confused with a lot of what had happened and I just, did not know I was angry like I was so angry oh my god I was so mad and I kept saying to God how could you allow especially with the kids I was like how could you I could have taken anything I I took everything that was happening to me right I I, how you allow this to happen and it it took me a while (laughs) it took me a very long while I remember somebody saying to me you know, it's because you're not going to church anymore. more wise by you're going through such a rough exactly. time. Wow. And I said, I said, that is not the God I know. Right. I said, God made me and he knows the person he made. God knows that I'm not a hypocrite. I am not right. going to seek his hand if I'm not if I'm not committing to God and submitting to God because He's God, me only I do it because I want Him to stop whatever is happening and going wrong. It will never happen. I'm not gonna do it. And God knows right. that about me. Right. So I got to a point where He proved to me, even when I let go, that him loved me. He proved it over and over, He proved it. My bed was repossessed. I was going through such a rough patch financially. I lost my bed, I lost my couch, I lost my washing machine, and God sent people without my asking. Wow. Oh my goodness. Things like people would pay my rent, call me, is your rent paid? I'm not asking anybody. Is yes. your rent paid? No. Okay, I'm sending some money for you. You, you wow. have food? I'm bringing groceries or come by my house. It, like he sh- and, de- and at that point, I was in a state, full state of rebellion. Me angry, me upset, me not talking to him. I'm not interested.
0: Provision, regardless. And, prov-
1: and irrespective of that, he provided.
0: What a God. And it's interesting. Currently, if your daughters are supposed to even approach you or your sons mm-hmm. to say, this is the person I want to get married to, what is the type of counselling that you're giving to them today?
1: My counselling, coming out of my marriage, my counsel to them has always been make sure that you and that person are on the same page as it relates to the goals of the relationship right you do not align yourself with anybody who one is not It's not on the same level as you. And when I say on the same level as you, I'm not speaking necessarily educationally. I'm not right. speaking um, even financially. I'm not. Okay. I'm talking about from a heart and mindset perspective. Perspective,
0: right. If
1: you are going to marry somebody and you're looking to start a life with that person, then your outlook on life, your goals for where life is concerned, your morals, everything should align. How you wish to raise your children should align. How you, whether or not you believe, what you believe as it relates to God, and spirituality and whatever those things should align where what you believe as it relates to how you how you operate within your home what is the role of the man and the woman how, how are you guys going to come together and fit together I believe when the Bible says that the two shall now become one it wasn't yeah. just speaking from a sexual perspective right where you, your your perfect spouse your ideal spouse should be somebody who fits into your groups wherever you wherever you are short that person should fit into that space and vice versa so these, these Stereotypical approaches that we have, where all oh, the woman is supposed to be somebody who washes, washes, cooks, and cleans. That would be nice, yes. and it would be a deal. And the <laughs> husband, the husband is somebody who is supposed to can kind of fix the plumbing and fix the electricity and do all of these things. That would be nice. But practically, none of us were born with these skills, right? So if if we go into the relationship with the mindset that oh, we're we're gonna try to serve each other, I'm going to do what I can do for you, you do what you can do for me, there will be no issue. Yes it wouldn't be an issue. So Finishing. if me okay. as a woman can fix the plumbing, why not? Right. Why does the man don't know how to do it have so, to do so it? There,
0: there, there should be no gender roles to say, because you're a man, you're supposed to no. and, it's and, your, and it's a partnership.
1: It's a partnership. Yes, it's a partnership and wherever, whatever my strengths are, I'm going to, I'm going to flourish in my strength.
0: Flourish in your strength.
1: And vice versa. That's what it should be. But we keep looking for people who are exactly like us.
0: Right. It's interesting. Nicole McLaren, in her book, Pride, Birth, Survive, she says relationships make your life. Mm -hmm. the destructive relationships will take you off the path of your purpose in your life by preventing you from maximizing your potential fulfilling your mission and realizing your vision and this is exactly what you have been saying Mm -hmm. you need to know why are you in this relationship what goals are you accomplishing or do you want to accomplish together how does this
1: person add value how does this person add value how do you add value to that person
0: right and also conflict resolution because mm-hmm. when you meet somebody you're high in that infatuation state that butterfly state mm-hmm. how do you know how, how are you going to identify abuse from the get-go
1: and, it's, and trust me, you know, it's not, it's not that you can't identify it. Right. It's not that you can't identify it. You asked me a question about earlier, and I don't think I answered about how, if there was a moment that I saw something that I could have pinpointed to say that was abuse. And before my husband and I went to live together, he said something that I should have... You know, when something... Red flag. It, it didn't register with you? Yes. No, looking back, that's what I say hindsight is twenty twenty. The red flags are there and Love is not blind, you know? It's not. Yes. Love isn't blind. We... Right. Based on depending on what your 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 point of or frame of reference is you will you will you will ignore stuff. Right. You will ignore stuff. If you feel like you you can't do any better, and the, the only reason why you'll feel like you can't do any better is because you have not come into a full understanding of who you are and you have not you have not learned to love you. Right. So because you have not learned to love you, you accept mediocrity. Right. Because you don't think you deserve or can get better.
0: Right. It's interesting. Cassandra, what makes you feel your best? and keeps you going today after all that is said on what um, keeps you
1: going a couple of things one of them is coming into the coming full circle spiritually coming into the full understanding that god god has complete and total control over my life there's nothing there's nothing that i can do that can match what god can do for me yes it, it, it's operating in my own power is no longer an interest of mine other thing that keeps me going is i have a passion for for helping people being not just helping people necessarily the less fortunate because that is a big thing a passion of mine but i want to help people that have been where i've been i want them to understand that it is okay to say that you are going through something it's okay to speak out because a lot of the times what has happened and our, our culture perpetuates that too is that we we are we're given the impression that we're not fit all this is yes. a shame so and even within church, church yes, taught, yes, oh yes. anybody asking a any question i'm blessed and highly favored of the lord yes. you know are you okay i'm blessed and highly favored no you're no you're not okay we are taking things out of the scripture out of context that says we must call for those things as you know that are not as though they were we're taking it out of context that is not what god meant god god wants us to be authentic he wants us to be real and there are people in there who like myself who you've been there done that and instead of using that experience to say to somebody else listen you can get through this this is how i got through it we don't we don't speak and if we do speak, we do it, we do it from a super spiritual place where it's quoting scripture to people. When I remember when I was going through whatever, I didn't want anybody to come quoting no scripture to me. Yes, I didn't because at the end of the day, I know my Bible. Practical. But, but I want practically help. Yes. yes. Right now, I am I am going through hell. I want practical a practical solution
0: yes in terms of self-sabotaging and self-destructive ways there it takes different forms Mm -hmm. that it could be failing to take action in your case overeating Mm -hmm. (laughs) undereating, going out of your way to harm others self-harm or Mm -hmm. Mm self-critic what is this like really in depth
1: well for me there were a couple of things. I I was at my fattest <laughs> while I was in <laughs> my marriage. Yes. I was like, and what would happen is that I would I would be so depressed and okay. so I, I didn't want to go to my bed at night. I didn't want to be in the bed, and uh, <laughs> because I didn't want to be in the bed, I would stay up really late. I would be up until two, three o'clock in the morning, and staying but up at two, three o'clock. Be bed, because irrespective of what was going on in my marriage, there was always sex was always on the table.
0: Okay. okay and so and, it,
1: and and sometimes it would be violent
0: because the situation didn't create that emotional satisfaction to really go and be physical with somebody mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. i didn't was... i i I'd, I'd gotten to a point where i was over over it i i, I didn't want to be in that situation anymore and I would just stay up at night, trying to avoid being in that, put in that position, and okay. and because I was up late, then I would I would just be eating even when I'm not hungry. I would get up. I remember getting up to cut bread, and multiple times and I would each time I cut it, I'd be talking to myself, "You're not hungry," and while I'm saying that to myself, I'm stuffing the bread in my mouth. Yeah, I would do stuff like that. I was sad. I had sad eyes. <laughs> if you look at my pictures from before my divorce you would see the difference my eyes looked so sad I literally felt like I was dying oh my goodness that's how I felt like I felt like I was dying like I felt like my soul my spirit my everything was dying and eventually that would have led to physical death so
0: that was the last straw for you to say no this is it i have to leave
1: Mm-mm. the last straw for me goodness the last straw for me and people ask the question all the time why do you stay and it's i, I find the question depending on who is asking sometimes i find it offensive yes. just because people ask it out of ignorance and they ask it with this very no, standing, right? judgmental tone
0: yes
1: and i keep saying abuse there's a psychology to abuse people it, it, it's not as simple as as just leaving you think of so many different things i was for i was 30 37 going on 38 i had four kids um my job didn't pay very well i was also a christian i have right. been living with this man since i was young i have children who this is their dad where That's am i gonna ability. go what am i gonna do talk but, oh, it was a myriad of things yes Cemental slavery is a real thing
0: yes for
1: me staying was it's not like i didn't want to leave i just didn't know how to leave the last straw was i remember we had a particularly uneventful year or at least the first six months of the year because there wasn't a year that i could remember was ever being happy like happy not not even one year not one year mentioned mention the, the abuse of myself, and it was abuse in many ways. Abuse things like, you know, leaving me to walk home from work, knowing I'm waiting and have no money or no way to get home, and I would have to walk for miles to get home. You know, the hitting, the just stuff, a lot yes. of stuff. Yes. So the last straw, and this is over like a two week, three week period, and just little things. He kept doing little things, and I got how I knew that I was over it is that I was not reacting anymore. You would do things and I wouldn't, I was just marking it in my head, strike one, strike two, kind of. And then finally.
0: I'm so glad that you are over this, you are so strong, you mm-hmm. speak from a, a place of strength that regardless of the adversities, you still found a, a way out, a lot of persons do not make it out, are still suffering, they're still, you know, just staying in bondage and, yeah. and all that abuse. So. I have to commend you for that. But I want to just cope with these few points. That even when you're being self-destructive, to practice self-awareness, yes, you must also listen more than you talk. This is generally to the to the listeners. Mm-hmm. Be curious about your own mind. Why is it like this? So don't just take the thoughts as face value. Mm-hmm. You have to take stock of what's going on in your head. Look out for your emotional blind spots. Just like when you're driving a car and you can't see certain things, look out for them because they can be to your detriment and ask for feedback frequently. When you're doing uh, stuff, take the time to reflect on your values and who you are as a person to your core. And Nicole McCarron also states that your life is up to you. This is your one precious life. It's not address yourself for some other life. No one is coming to save you. You have to save yourself and you have to do it now. Wow, it's So interesting because we know apart from God, who is the, uh, our ultimate savior, but in practical situations, we have to to literally come to our own rescue yes and
1: and i believe that what a lot of people don't realize one of the most important traits that you can try to cultivate within yourself is that is an um that trait of introspection yes i tell people all the time you can lie to anybody else but never ever lie to yourself Yes. Be willing to ask yourself the hard questions, questions that that offend you when other people ask you. you right. Questions that make you uncomfortable. Ask yourselves those questions. Ask yourself those questions, and not, don't be afraid to be completely honest with yourself.
0: Right, right. That is, right. That,
1: is that is the ultimate level of self awareness. You have to right. you have to take time to take stock of what you. What are your motivations behind certain thoughts that you have and certain actions? Why yes. are you doing it? Big, big right. Are coming from, right. Why are you saying those things. Why are you doing those things? Why do you treat right. it that way? Why are you attracted to a particular type of person?
0: Yeah. Because if you're not watching your thoughts, they're gonna become actions. They're gonna lead to your habits, and they're gonna lead to your destiny. It's yes. as
1: simple as okay. that.
0: Let me ask you one final question. Would you get married? Would you remarry? Today? Yes.
1: Uh, yes. Yes. And yes. You would. Yes, I would. Because I keep telling people. It's not about marriage. Is not a problem. Marriage isn't an issue. Marriage, nothing is wrong with marriage. It's just that we sometimes don't, we, we don't we don't choose right. We don't, right. We, we don't we don't take the time to to learn ourselves because you have to know you can't know what you want if you don't know who you are. Right. So you have to take the time to learn who you are first, and that way you will know what it is that you don't want, and what it is that you do you you do want. You will you will not accept just anything. Right. So I believe right. yes that I would get married. I I, I wish I, <laughs> I won't understand. <laughs> <find him. laughs>
0: well, I really wish you all the best with that, and I know you you have evaluated uh, uh the, the situation and your mindset and you sound very confident and positive from a good place with that. And I wish you all <laughs> the very best and so glad that you really have learned and you are here talking with us today. So thank you so much again for speaking with. Meet Sandra. It was such a pleasure.
1: Thank you very much for having me, Khalida. I really enjoyed it.